you got your Bible with you again, turn to Revelation chapter three. And we're gonna visit a passage or two that speak about God's heart to bring revival to his people and to his church. And the series is called Culture Revival and it's the idea that as a church family, we want to be a place where people can encounter the life of Christ, where dead and dying things can come back to life in Christ, where people who are, who are discouraged, who are lost, who are maybe battling with addictions or darkness, spiritual death can be revived to life in Christ. We're called Rev City for many reasons. The word Rev in and of itself implies what we wanna be, what we wanna lead people to, and that's an active life of faith. The word Rev in and of itself means an increase in energy, especially in the anticipation or expectation of a coming event. We're called Rev, Rev City Church because we wanna see a reverence for God and a reverence for God's word restored to our culture. How many believe that needs to happen? We wanna see a revolution of faith and family and we wanna see people revived to life in Christ individually and collectively as a community. We wanna see our city experience revival. I believe more than anything, we need a returning to God and a returning to God's word. There's a lot of things we can do or believe for in our culture, but more than anything, what our community, what our homes, what our nation needs is what revival is, an awakening. Here's, here's a few definitions of revival. And if you, if you looked it up, you'd find these yourself. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. An instance of something becoming popular, relevant, active, or important again. A reawakening of activity or fervency. Or a restoration to physical, mental, or spiritual life vitality and success, just a few definitions of the word revive. And if that's what revival is characterized by, how many of you believe that that's what we need to believe for? Come on. Uh, an, an instance of something becoming popular, relevant, important again, a reawakening, a reemergence of activity and fervency, a restoration of physical, spiritual, mental, life, vitality, success. Those are definitions of revival. Here's what God's word has to say. Just a few verses. It's used 19 times actually in the translation I use most often, Psalm 85, verse six. Won't you revive us again, God? so that your people can rejoice in you. Psalm 119.50 says this, this is my comfort in affliction. So it's establishing even in times where you're going through some dark seasons, even in times where you're going through maybe some unforeseen, unexpected things, he says, even my, my comfort, even in a time of affliction is this, that your word has revived and given me life. So it's God's heart, it's the power of the resurrection, it's the foundation of the gospel, dead and dying things coming back to life, and not just life, but life abundantly in Christ Jesus. So let's pray over our time together in the word. As we do every week, I'll pray over us corporately, but I wanna encourage you to activate your personal faith right now. I wanna encourage you to pray uniquely and specifically. Call upon God, ask God to speak to you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, uniquely in the things that you're walking through as a man, as a woman, as a couple, as a family. As much as I care and have prayed and prepared to encourage you in God's word today, God cares even more about what you're going through in your life. And so Lord, we just thank you for that, that truth. And I pray God that today in this service, Lord, that you would come and you would bring strength, you would bring freedom, you would bring hope and newness of hope, God. You would bring fresh faith, and courage for the future, God. Anyone who's hurting or wounded or struggling, God, in any area of their life, 
physically, Lord, in their physical body or their health, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, God, in relationships, especially in marriage or family, God, I pray, Lord, that you would come and you would do, Lord, all the things that you desire to do, Lord, forgiveness and faith and freedom, Lord, and, and just, um, just a newness of life, God, today for every man, every woman, every family. We receive, God, what you desire to do. We, we have faith. We are expecting you, God, to, to speak to us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, God. I, I, it's my prayer today, God. Would you take a me, an imperfect message from an imperfect person and would you use it to speak and reveal or remind to us, God, about the perfect heart of a good father in Jesus' name. And come on, all God's people said with a shout. Say amen, amen. Okay, Revelation chapter three. And these are the letters from the spirit of the angel of the Lord to the churches of the early New Testament. If you go and you reread these letters, oftentimes the Lord would affirm or encourage the churches for some things that they were doing well. But then he would also kind of call them back or challenge them in some of the ways or places where maybe they had drifted from some of the things that God had called them to do and be as believers and as a fellowship, a Christ-centered fellowship, a Christ-centered community of faith. And so I, this is, it's, it's really powerful to read it, and I, it's, it's, it, we can relate to it because here's the thing that is almost always true in our lives as believers is that there's some places in our life of faith where we're maybe doing well. But then there's also some places where God would come to us, and because he's so good, so gracious to help us get back on track, where we might realize because of God's voice to us that we've maybe drifted or fallen away from some things that matter to God and thus should matter to us. And so that's where we pick up these letters. Revelation chapter three is the letter of the Lord to Sardis and it says this, this is the message to the church at Sardis. Verse two, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. He says, there's some things that I still have for you. There's some things I'm still calling you to. And so he says, wake up and strengthen what remains. Verse three, he says, go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold on to it firmly. And I, 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 right there, I just feel like it's a good encouragement to just encourage us as a church that we need to return to the foundations of our faith. What we first heard, what we first believed, preaching Jesus crucified, and not just crucified, but resurrected as the way to the Father, as the way to forgiveness, we need to get back to preaching the word of God. And I'm just telling you, I'm provoked in my spirit as I look around and I see Christianity kind of embracing some of these progressive agendas and things, and I'm telling you, the reason that it's problematic is because a progressive Christianity will fail to make transformed disciples. And God did not call us to just be a social club where we kind of try to meet, uh, gather as many people as we can and kind of lay, our, 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 our lay down God's word to the, to the end result of maybe becoming more popular with the culture. He's called us to preach a message that challenges people to be transformed. And so he says, go back to the things you heard early on and grab a hold of those things. Hang on to those things. Repent and turn to me if you don't wake up, I'll come to you suddenly as an unexpected thief. So then back up a page to Revelation chapter two, and here's another one of the letters from the, from the Lord to one of the churches, the church at Ephesus, and here's what the Lord challenges them with. He says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. He's affirming some things that they have been doing well. 
and, and he says, I've, ex- I've seen you've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. In other words, you're, you're, you have a discernment about false teachings. And he says, uh, you have patiently suffered, your translation might say endured, for me without quitting. But then he says, but I have this complaint against you, verse four. He says, you don't love me or love one another like you did at first. And he says, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. So he says, I see all the ways that you're persevering. I see the ways that you're staying true to the gospel. I see the ways that you're walking in discernment. He says, I affirm all those things. But he says, more than the things that you're doing for me, I'm calling you back to a relationship with me. He says, I'm calling you back to the place where your heart once was fully mine. I'm calling you back to the place where your motivation for doing the things was not a religious agenda, but it was a personal relationship that was causing you to live for me and long for me and seek after me and run after me. Because there's a religious spirit that says, do these things and be made right with God. And God says, I want to just know you in a heart relationship, in a personal relationship, in an intimate relationship. Isaiah 29, 13 It says that the Lord said, these people say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God is after our hearts. Today, he's knocking on the door of your heart. He he wants a relationship. He wants a fellowship. He wants an intimacy. He wants a friendship with you. He's interested in relationship over religion. Matthew chapter seven, at least for me, is one of the most challenging scriptures of all the Bible. It's one of the most sobering. It's one of the most, it's the scriptures that maybe causes me to be the most reflective about my own condition and my own motivation in serving God. And it's a challenging scripture. And it says this, it says in verse 21, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow but only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. So mark that right there. And then he goes on and he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name? And he'll say, I will then tell them plainly, depart from me for I never knew you. And he's saying the will of my father. Remember, he said those that will enter into relationship with me or enter into my presence are those who do the will of my father. And then he goes on and says, and people are doing all these things, religious acts, and there's good things that we ought to be doing. Faith without works is dead. But he says right there, he says, the number one thing, the reason I sent Jesus, the reason I came was so that a relationship could be restored and established with you. He says, more than anything, I desire to know you. Galatians 4, 9 says that now we, through Christ Jesus, have the invitation to know God and be known by him. So today I wanna talk to you about the heart of revival. And more than anything, God is after your heart. The greatest commandment is you must love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, all of your heart. And today he's speaking to divided hearts or distracted hearts calling you back to the place. It was a letter to the church. You're doing some things for me. I see what you're doing for me, but he's saying, I want you to come back to that place where, where it's motivated by that heart of love for me, that desire to be with me. There's some things we could do for God, but I think the better way, it's maybe slightly semantical, but it's powerfully important, is to embrace the invitation of God was never to just do religious things for God. It was to live a life with God. 
in fellowship and relationship with him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The Greek word there is the word cardia. And you might recognize that it's the root word of the words cardiology and cardiologist, the study of the heart and the medicine applications that deal with the heart. But it's a different type of a context. It means a spiritual seat of your will and emotions. It's the center of who you really are, not the exterior things, not the superficial things, not the titles or the identities that the world assigns to us or that we even pursue for ourselves. Cardia is this inward place. It's the place, again, it's the seat of your will and emotions. It's the place from which flows the real identity of who you really are in God. And he says, that's what I desire for you to love the Lord your God with all your cardia, with everything who you are. And it's important. First Samuel 16 verse seven says that the Lord said to Samuel, do not look upon his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him for the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. This is good news. To those of us who maybe don't have the theology degrees on the wall, for those of us that maybe don't look the part, for those of us that maybe don't have the stature that the world says we have to have to live lives of meaning, significance, I'm telling you today, God is not concerned about all those things that the world ascribes significance to. God is looking for people who have a heart after him, who will begin to pursue and serve and love God with all of their heart. Did you know that the Bible says in two places, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, that David was a man after God's own heart. And I appreciate that it's captured in the book of Samuel in the prophecies about David being called to be king and God saw fit to also put it in the New Testament in, in Acts chapter 13. You know why? That's powerful to me is because in Acts chapter 13, we were aware of all the ways that David had blown it. And yet the Bible still says he was a man after God's own heart. It's not about perfection. It's about a it's about a real relationship that even understands I'm a real person that's flawed. I have a struggle with sin. I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna stumble and fall. I'm not gonna always get it right. But when I do those things, I'm gonna do what David did. I'm gonna come before God. I'm gonna present them before God. I'm gonna keep worshiping God. I'm gonna keep trusting God. I'm gonna be repentant before God. It says David was a man after God's own heart. And listen, if you ever feel like You've blown it too bad to be accepted by or used by God. Go back and read the story of David. He did some amazing things for, for God, but I promise you, he blew it in some ways that you're yet to have blown it. And he was a man after God's own heart. God's looking for people who won't embrace the idea of this religious perfection, this kind of outward appearance of looking right before God, but who will get real with God and say, God, I want you to know my heart, search my heart. I wanna give you my heart, everything about me, all of this cardia, this place that is the inward motivation of my life, I want it to belong to you. Second Chronicles 16 verse nine says, the eyes of the Lord are searching. The eyes of the Lord are looking. They're searching all around the world. Your translation might say to and fro throughout the earth for someone who God can show up and strengthen, for someone who God, your translation might say, can show up and strongly support. Who? Whose hearts are fully committed to him. We often get consumed with superficial things and surface level change. It's never what Christianity was about. 
was about God coming in and getting a hold of your heart and renewing and restoring and bringing life and causing a dead heart that was dead because of sin and transgression and pride and rebellion and causing it to once again begin to beat and causing it to once again begin to cause the flow of love and forgiveness and the goodness of God to begin to flow. You know, we're, we're all familiar with this terminology, that terminology of heart condition. And, and in the headlines recently because of DeMar Hamlin, the NFL player who collapsed on the field and because of some things that kind of the spike in young people experiencing cardiac issues and conditions, and I won't get into the politics kind of underlining all that stuff, it's immaterial to today's message, but, but I'm just saying we're kind of more aware than ever of this idea that, that what's going in your heart, on in your heart physically really matters a great deal. And, and, and if it matters physically, I wanna tell you that the Bible is very clear that it matters even more spiritually. We all have a physical and a spiritual heart condition. You, you have a heart condition towards God that's formed and fashioned and shaped by your previous experiences and perspectives. You, you have a heart condition towards your spouse. You, you have a heart condition towards your boss. You have a heart condition towards people in places of authority. You have a heart condition towards your ex-spouse. You have a heart condition towards the president. You have a heart condition towards the former president. We all have heart conditions. And today, the question of God is, how's your heart? How's your heart towards him? It's what he's concerned about the most. And a couple years ago, I remember seeing the story of a celebrity's wife who passed away suddenly in an early age, and I remember seeing, oh, that's so unfortunate. And I remember seeing a few days later the follow-up story that said the coroner's report had indicated that an undiscovered, undiagnosed heart condition led to her untimely death. And the Lord just spoke to me and just said, you gotta watch your heart, you gotta guard your heart, you gotta be concerned with the condition of your heart because you can have it all put together on the outside. You can look the part religiously, you can look the part physically, but you can have something lurking in the corner of your heart that's looking for the right moment to spring forward and bring spiritual death to you or to a relationship that matters to you and or to God. We can have it all together, but be, there be something that God is saying, I, I, I don't care about all the superficial exterior things. I'm, I'm looking to get into your heart and deal with your heart. I'm looking to, to address, I'm looking to revive the cardia of your being. And God wants you to have a healed heart, a new heart. He wants you to overcome the fear, the pain, the rejection, the insecurity, the pride, the stubbornness, the hard hearts, the independent hearts, the discouraged hearts, so that you could become healed, restored, settled, peaceful, so that the flow of God can once again begin to flow from your heart. Listen, there are heart conditions that can occur many ways, but I felt the Lord just kind of show me, unpacked me three primary ways that they tend to happen in our lives. And these are three ways that heart conditions can happen physically, that also show us, that kind of prescribe to us the ways that they most often happen spiritually. And number one is a genetic condition. In the physical, we're aware of how that can kind of be passed down. They ask, you know, have, has anyone, a grandfather, a father ever had that kind of a heart condition? And it can indicate the likelihood or at least the potential that you might deal with the same thing. And the same is true spiritually. The Bible talks about iniquities that are passed down. There could be things that you didn't deserve, you didn't ask for, but because of the way that you were brought up, because of the model or the influence of fathers and mothers and grandparents or people around you, there can be conditions that we inherit through genetics, spiritually. Addictions, anger or a tendency to anger, racism, chauvinism or sexism, fear, 
greed, a tendency to be gossipy or critical spirited, all those things can be heart conditions that we experience through genetics, through the spiritual transference. And my encouragement to you today is that the Bible is very clear that though those iniquities pass down to the third and fourth generations, if you'll submit those things in the presence of God, if you'll begin to acknowledge and take responsibility for some of those things in the presence of God, the Bible says that Jesus was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions, rather, and he was bruised for our iniquities, which are these generational transferences of issues in our life. And I'm telling you today that even though those things might travel to the third or fourth generation, the Bible's also very clear that the blessing of God will be extended to a thousand generations. There's hope, there's healing, but we gotta do our part and say, Lord, I recognize that that thing that's been sown into my heart is not your best. And, and I gotta forgive the people that might have modeled it and passed it on to me, but then I gotta be willing to take responsibility and say, it's going to stop with me. Lord, would you heal my heart? Secondly, so first is genetic. Secondly is a traumatic event. You can have overall a healthy heart, but you go through something in life, you suffer a blow in life. It's actually what happened to DeMar Hamlin a couple weeks ago. A young man in prime physical condition suffered a blow to his heart and it caused what was intended to be beating to stop. And some of you, some of us, at different times in our life, we're going through life and we're doing what we're called to do and we're going towards God and then we suffer a blow, something unforeseen, something unexpected, an abuse, a trauma, neglect, a, a betrayal of our confidence, and it hits our heart, and the enemy is intending to stop the life, stop the flow, to stop you dead in your tracks, spiritually speaking, and the same thing that was, we saw happen a couple weeks ago where they were able to revive that young man back to life, and now he's on the road to recovery. If that's possible in the spiritual, I mean in the natural, how much more is it possible in the spiritual with the one who can revive even the most dead, even the most lost, even the most dark, even the farthest gone life? God wants to restart your heart today. Genetic transference, traumatic events, and third, one of the third ways that most times we experience a heart condition that God never intends for us to experience is through neglect or abuse. Us not taking time and making time to make sure that we're applying the right diet and exercise, spiritually speaking. And we're very aware of this in the natural, you know, diet and exercise perhaps more than anything has kind of, is, is our part to play in kind of tending or stewarding the the condition of our heart. And how many know it's easier said than done? And did you know that companies actually pay millions of dollars, that's probably an understatement, for product placement in grocery stores? And, and here's what's true, is that it's, it's a lot more convenient to eat bad than it is to eat good, right? And you walk into the store, this grocery store right over here, you can't even get your grocery cart without seeing chips and soda right there in the foyer of the grocery store, right? But you gotta go out of your way to go to the place where you can find the healthy things and here's the powerful principle behind it. The same is true spiritually. We gotta endeavor, we gotta pursue. How many of you, how many of you a, a really focused, fervent, fruitful prayer and spiritual life of reading and studying the Bible comes very easily and naturally to you? And if, you, if you're willing to raise your hand, I'm not raising my hand, by the way, I'm modeling what I'm looking for. <laughs> I, 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 I could not raise my hand. I have to endeavor. I have to decide.
guide. I have to seek out because the thing that comes easy to me is consuming the junk food of my spiritual life. And now more than ever, because every one of us has a device right there in your pocket today that offers a smorgasbord, a buffet of things that will hinder the flow of God in your heart. It's right there, and we scroll, and we compare, and we scroll, and it begins to just kind of jade us or harden our heart. And things that, that we once had to go out to kind of the edge of town to, to view or to see or to purchase or acquire, or had to be willing to kind of have the, the gumption to go up to the counter and ask to buy the magazine that was so profane they couldn't even show the cover of it. That's how it used to be. And now right there on your phone, it's coming after you. And all forms of filth and smell readily available, and they're even promoting it and advertising it to you and especially to us men of God. And here's why it's problematic, because it hardens and desynthesizes your heart towards God and towards the people God has called you to love. And once again, we have to say, man, God, I wanna get back to the diet and to the exercise to feeding myself the things that will bring life, that will bring hope, that will renew my strength. I need to get back to, to your word. The other things that are bombarding me come easily to me, but I'm making a quality decision. I'm making a determination in this season to put aside some of those things and to begin to feed my spirit with your heart, your word, your will, and your ways. Psalm 119 says, I will walk in freedom why? Because I will seek after your word. Okay, so uh, genetic conditions, traumatic events in life, and just the things that we allow ourselves to digest or to take into our lives, diet and exercise. And I'm gonna encourage you with three things, three, con three heart conditions that I believe the Lord just put on my heart to, to not just highlight, but to also create the opportunity and the atmosphere for God to bring healing to you today if you are in this camp, this type of heart condition. Number one is discouraged hearts discouraged or anxious hearts. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Proverbs 12, turn back a page and it says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes one glad. And I don't know who I'm talking to today who's dealing with a discouragement, a season of discouragement, who's dealing with fear or worry or anxiety. And I'm here to tell you today that it, you might be against something or up against something or going through something that might even be a legitimate cause or reason for you to maybe have some worrisome thoughts or have some fearful thoughts or to be experiencing doubt or to be anxious about some things. But I'm also here to tell you something that remains true today. And that's if you'll take those things, take those cares, take those concerns, and you'll cast them before God. If you'll go to God, if you'll run to God, if you'll not allow the enemy to just get into your heart and cause you to be riddled with all these thoughts of the worst case scenario, and you'll begin to go and say, God, I'm really going through the thing. I've really got the health diagnosis. We're really dealing with the strife in our marriage or in our household. I really didn't get the promotion that I've been dreaming about and praying about. I really am in a season of delay. I really do have the mountain of bills that I don't know how we'll ever pay. But God, I'm coming to you and I'm casting those things before you. I'm telling you today, just watch what will happen in your life. Because God, even in the midst 
of the storm, even while you're going through the valley, even as you're going through the fire, even when you're going through the storm, he says, I will not leave you or forsake you. I'll be right there with you. And today, it says a better word, a good word, a better word brings, brings life. And today, there's a better word over your life. You're dealing with the sickness, I'm telling you, by his stripes, you are healed. You're dealing with the debt or the lack or the question or the concern about your future. I'm telling you, he is more than able to provide for you as his child. There's a better word that could bring a, a, a health, a healing to a discouraged, anxious heart. Number two, group of heart conditions that I felt like the Lord really wanted to highlight today is prideful hearts. Prideful hearts. And there's a lot of directions we could go with this, but the one that I felt like the Lord highlighted that really kind of was unexpected to me was that more than ever in the climate of our culture, as things are kind of going off the rails and there's all these agendas and things that are kind of being perpetrated and introduced, some of which we wouldn't even have thought about 10, 20, 30 years ago, that more than ever as the people of God, we're gonna have to ask God for the grace of God to operate with courage and conviction, but to also operate in compassion for hurting people who are far from God or lost or struggling with their sense of identity or purpose in life or maybe even sexuality or gender confusion in their life. And listen, I'm telling you, there's some ways where we need to be prepared to have conviction and courage to speak up and say, listen, there's a standard, there's a, there's a God who knows and sees what you're going through, the things that were introduced into your life, but God wants to heal and restore and forgive and bring newness of life to you, we're gonna have to have some courage and conviction, but at the same time, we're gonna have to have compassion. And, and here's what, I, Titus chapter three, verse two, actually verse three says, once we too were foolish and disobedient. And actually backing up to verse two, it says, be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Be gentle, show true humility to everyone. Why? Because once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives, he's speaking to believers, our lives were full of envy and evil. We hated one another. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness, someone say kindness, and his love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, his mercy. Not because we figured it out or got smart enough or got religious enough. Because of his mercy. He, he, it says he saved us. He washed away our sins. He gave us a new birth, a new life through the spirit. He generously poured out that spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our savior, because of his grace. He made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And the same that was true for you and I, a God who came in mercy and kindness in the middle of our darkness is the same way that God's gonna do it again. And so God, help us to just have compassion. We need to have some courage. We need to have some conviction. There's some things that we need to take a stand about, but there's gotta be a compassion. Many times in the New Testament before Jesus would do great mighty miracles, it says he was moved with compassion. Number three, last thing before we respond to God and, and worship God one more time together today, and that's hard hearts. And this is huge, this is critical, this is far-reaching. That we could go through a lot of things in life, but if we can just keep our hearts soft before God, you'll make it through. 
hardened hearts. The Bible talks about hardened hearts. And I believe the Lord highlighted to me three things that perhaps more than others contribute to a hardened heart. Unresolved anger, unrepentant sin, and not fully dealing with disappointments. That unresolved anger. The Bible says, Ephesians 4, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, he's saying you could be angry. You might really go through something that causes you to be angry, but he says, do not sin. And then he says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. He's saying, deal with these things quickly because there's a grace in the moment, there's a grace in the day to deal with the anger, to deal with the sin, to deal with the disappointment. But if you fail to deal with it, you risk the opportunity of a sin becoming a season, of a moment becoming a hardened heart towards God or towards someone in your life. And Ephesians 4, reading on, it says, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. The Bible talks about a root of bitterness. And every time where there's, a, where there's a moment where something happens and it causes anger, every time where there's a sin, every time where there's a disappointment, I'm fully convinced beyond just that thing or in that moment, it's the enemy's full-scale attempt to cause a barb to get sown into your heart, a seed to get sown into your heart that will take root and cause bitterness towards God or towards the people in your life. And, and it says, get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage and anger. He says, get rid of harsh words and slander. He says, get rid of all types of evil behavior. And he says, instead, be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted, soft-hearted. Forgiving one another just as God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven you. Would you stand to your feet this morning or this afternoon now? Would you just begin to ask the Lord? In fact, can I just ask you to just kind of put yourself in a posture of hearing and receiving from God? Maybe you just wanna lift your holy hands before God. It's just a powerful posture. We're surrendering. We're presenting things that we don't wanna take with us today. And in the same motion, we're just posturing ourselves to receive whatever God wants to do or speak to us. And as you're just standing there as a man of God, as a woman of God, would you just ask the Lord, just say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? How, how's the condition of my heart today? How's the condition of my heart today towards you? How's the condition of my heart today towards my spouse? Lord, is there a place where there's a, there's a hardness. Is, there's a play, if, is there a place where there's something that has entered in that's begun to hinder the flow of your love and your forgiveness in my life today? Is there something that, that happened, a, a, a sin or a disappointment or something that caused legitimate anger that, that is becoming at risk of causing my heart to become hard towards you? And today, would you just receive, I believe that the Lord today, he wants to do several things. He wants to enter in, he wants to clear blockages. Just like physically, when they can discover those things, there, there's some things they could do today. 
If that's true in the physical sense, how much more is it possible today for God to enter in and begin to clear blockages? He wants life and freedom and forgiveness and love and goodness to begin to flow again into your life and into the lives of others. Come on, isn't that how a heart works? It's going in one way and out the other. Into your life and outwardly into the lives of others. It's his heart today for your heart. And maybe today you would say, man, I recognize through the, through the delivery of this message, there's a place where I'm at risk of having a hard heart because of a disappointment or an unrepentant sin. And right now, I just wanna encourage you, God is in the business of softening hearts. Ezekiel 36 says it this way, verse 26, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Man, that's good news today. And especially for those of us who you might be standing there today just saying, man, Pastor T, you don't understand just how far gone, just how hard my heart is. Did you read? Did you hear what I just read? God's even able to do a heart transplant for you today. He says, I'll take out that old heart. I'll give you a new heart today. And man, I just thank you, Lord. I just pray over this congregation. I pray, Lord, that you would be doing all those things, Lord, softening hearts, bringing flow back to hearts, Lord, even doing a transplant of hearts that have become hardened towards you or towards others. In Jesus' mighty name, he cares more than anything else about the condition of your heart. He's working in your heart today. While you stay in that position of just receiving from God what he's speaking to you and doing in you, I wanna ask you to just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I wanna give people the opportunity today to experience the most amazing way that we can experience a new heart. And that's through a personal salvation experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's through recognizing our need for a savior. That's through recognizing the fact that we're, we're far from God. And that's from receiving the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. We don't get ourselves right to get right with God. We come to God and he receives us just where we are because of his great love for us. That's the message of the gospel. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it, you just receive it by faith. And so if that's you today, you're here today and you need to be forgiven, or maybe you're here today and you once knew God, loved God, served God, but you've just drifted from him, gotten preoccupied with the cares of the world, you're what the Bible would describe as a, as a prodigal son or daughter. And the same thing towards you is true today as was true in that parable in the Bible. The posture and the heart of the Father towards you, if you've drifted from him, you look up today and you're far from him, is this open arms and an open heart. And if you go reread that parable, man, that, that, that prodigal son just had to take one step back towards his father. And that father went running and he embraced and he welcomed back home that one who was wayward. And today, the father is saying the same thing to you. Would you come home? Would you just come home? Yeah, maybe you've done some things, maybe there's some messes to clean up, but right now, my concern is just about your heart being restored to mine through a relationship. That's his heart towards you today. So if that's you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you need to be forgiven, maybe for the first time, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you need to come back home to your Heavenly Father. Right now, here's what I wanna ask you to do. Be bold, would you just lift your hand high towards heaven and just say, that's me, that's me, I need to be forgiven. That's me, I need to come home to my Father in this room and online, I trust many precious people coming home saying yes, receiving the free gift of salvation. Many precious people, come on, God's doing something. You're, this lifted hand is an outward sign of an inward work. He's renewing your heart. He's restoring your heart. He's bringing a new heart into your life. He's taking away that hard heart. He's bringing a soft, tender heart towards you today. If you raised your hand, you can lower it. Many precious people, some amazing people with an amazing future in Christ, rededicated or gave their hearts to God today. 
Here's what we're gonna do. If you raised your hand, you can lower it. We're gonna pray this prayer with you. We do it every week just to show you that we wanna come alongside you. And secondarily, that we do it is because it just reminds us that we never graduate from grace. That even as God is, is growing us and maturing us, everything he's ever gonna do in our lives of faith is all built on an unmerited foundation of grace that we could never earn or deserve. So, man, I'm telling you folks, there, were some, there was a lot of people and some amazing people that came home to Christ today. Would you pray this prayer with them? And let's pray maybe with a little extra boldness today. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name. I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life, a fresh start. Come on, say it, a new heart. And I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you my trust, and because of Jesus, come on, say this part loudly, I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Come on, can we rejoice with all of heaven for precious people who came home to Christ today? Man, come on. God's doing something in our hearts today. He's knocking on the door of your heart today. Hey, we're gonna worship God one more time here in a moment, but before I step away, I just wanna encourage you, men of God, one more time, don't miss the opportunity to come and be strengthened and encouraged in your faith this weekend. Hope to see you there. Hey, God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you this week. Stand strong. Come on, let's worship God one more time.